turn with me to uh, the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, looking at chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. In our study of Ephesians up to this point, the Apostle Paul has been walking us through the, the treasure house of God's grace, and he's, he's been going through and opening up vault after vault and revealing the vast wealth of blessings that abound to those who have been called and redeemed and, and adopted and, and welcomed into the kingdom and household of God as his own in Christ Jesus. And we've been called into a, a new life, a new relationship with God and with one another in the body of Christ. A life that is, that is rooted and grounded in love and empowered by God's Spirit and held together by Jesus Christ, the head of His church. So much so that, that God's magnificent glory and wisdom in the gospel is to be displayed and overflow in the lives of His people together. And Paul has so far concerned himself with the wealth that is ours in Christ. And now in, in, in chapter 4, he turns his attention to how we are to live, or as he terms it, how we are to walk as a result of that vast wealth, the riches of God's grace in Christ. And he reminds us that as a, as a result of this new life, this new relationship, this, this identity that is now ours in Christ, and this new community to which we now belong, that because of that, our lives should look different. Our lives should look different. We should walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that we have as followers of Christ. And that begins, as we saw last week, by walking together in unity in the church. One body exercising the diversity of our gifts. Each of us, that Christ has given to each of us to serve one another, to help grow the body of Christ to a maturity in the image of Christ. It also means walking together in purity. Our lives should very practically reflect the, the righteousness and the holiness that is now ours because of Christ's death and resurrection, which is where Paul directs his attention in this section which we're going to look at today in Ephesians 4.17. So join with me as I read, and let's give our attention to God's Word in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say... And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and hearing and now the teaching of His Holy Word. Most of us know how comfortable, how easy it is to grow comfortable with and to hold on to things longer than we might ought to. 
Many of us have a difficult time getting rid of things. For me, I have the hardest time getting rid of old shoes. (laughs) I heard an amen over here. (laughs) They become kind of like good friends. They form to your feet. They feel so good to wear. And and no matter how smelly or dirty or, or ratty looking they get, even when I get a new, better, more comfortable pair, I still want to keep those old ones in the closet. And I still want to pull them out every now and then and put them on. And that's true with many things. Old habits are hard to break. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. We have all kinds of, of sayings about this. And we, we so easily fall back into old patterns and, and old ways of living in our lives. And, and preventing that is essentially Paul's goal here in this passage in Ephesians. He knows from experience how ingrained in, in its ways our old sin nature really is. He knows how difficult it can be to break old patterns of, of sinful behavior. Or as he says, to, to put off that old self in the ways in which we used to live our lives. And he knows how necessary, how important it is to continually be putting on the new self, to be cultivating and and walking in the newness and the freedom of life that is ours in Christ. And wearing and and walking in old shoes, as offensive as that might be to others, as damaging as it can be to our, our, our feet, it is relatively harmless in the scheme of life. But clinging to and growing comfortable with and putting on, even if only now and then, old attitudes and old actions of our sinful nature, it can be destructive and deadly to our souls and that of others as well. And so Paul instructs the the believers at Ephesus, and God calls you and me today to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now what does that mean? Remember, Paul is writing predominantly to a Gentile or to a non-Jewish audience, but they are Gentiles whose lives and hearts have been changed by God's grace in Christ. Those who have been brought near and grafted into the covenant people of God, the the new Israel that is now the church into the body of Christ. So when Paul refers to the, the old walk or the walk of the Gentiles here, he's speaking not of ethnic identity, But the way of life of those who are still alienated from God, those who are still outside of Christ and a a covenant relationship with God through him. And so Paul is warning against this ever-present danger that, that we who are in Christ will forget who we are and start living like who we were before we knew, before while we were still outside of Christ. He, in essence, is saying, stop living like you used to live. And once again, Paul reminds us of that old walk or, or what that old lifestyle entailed. And now you might, you might read through this again and say, you know what, Paul, we get the point. <laughs> we get the point. You've already reminded us that we were, we, in chapter 2, that we were once dead in sin, that we were disobedient to God, that we were doomed to wrath. You've already said that we were, we were at one time aliens to the covenant promises. We were separated from Christ without God and with hope in the world. We get it. Why keep hammering the point of, of what we were? And the answer is, of course, 
In order to know the, the cure, you have to understand the disease and its symptoms. Before we can learn how, how change happens, we need to understand what makes, what makes that change so hard in the first place. And so Paul, again, comes back to this description of the, of the Gentile way of life, or we might use other terms for it. We might say to the, the, the unbeliever's way of life, or the pagan way of life, or, or sometimes we might just refer to the secular way of life, in which we all at some point, used to walk. And Paul begins by describing it as the futility of the mind. Notice he does not begin with external behavior, but with the internal mindset, with an overall way of, of thinking and seeing and viewing the world. What we believe will direct how we live our lives. And as Paul describes this mindset, he says it is futile. That word means literally empty or meaningless. It's the word in, in Greek that translates the, the Hebrew and Ecclesiastes over and over again of being, uh, of being vain and, and, and worthless, pointless. Paul is saying this worldview, this guiding philosophy or way of thinking apart from God leads to a life that is empty. And it may sound good, it may seem to make sense, but in the end it's not rooted in ultimate truth or reality. So what leads to this kind of, of, of futile futility of the mind or futile thinking? Paul describes it in three ways, or we might say three stages or steps. He says basically it stems from a hard heart that leads to a darkened mind that results in a depraved will or life. Let's start at the bottom of, of that, or that foundational level, if you will. At the root of a life lived in, in futility, a life apart from the grace of God, is a hardness of heart. We see that at the end of verse 18. Paul says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, full of ignorance, due to their hardness of heart. Now this is important to understand. Our hearts are not hardened against God because we have a lack of understanding or we have an ignorance about God. It's really the other way around. Man is filled with ignorance and lack of understanding. He is alienated from God because of the hardness of his heart. Left unto ourselves, we are naturally hardened and calloused and resistant to the things of God. Paul unpacks this more and in more detail back in Romans 1. So I invite you to, to turn back there and look at what he says in this this familiar description of mankind apart from God. Romans 1, beginning in verse 18, Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Same word. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. 
Futility of the mind begins with a hard heart that suppresses the the truth of God. It's not as if God hasn't made himself in his ways known. It's that man has a, a heart, literally a heart of stone, that wants nothing to do with knowing or responding to that truth. We want to push it down. We want to keep, keep it under wraps. Shove it aside out of sight. And so it's not that, that we cannot see and understand that a little baby in the womb is a person who's made in the image of God and thus to be valued. It's that apart from God, our hard hearts do not care and thus deny and suppress the truth to the point of, of rationalizing and justifying ending the life of an unborn child. It's not that we don't see and understand the reality that that men and women are created unique and, and, and different and that each bears the image of God. Rather, it's the hardness of our hearts that we think we know better and we think it's actually a good thing for, for boys to think they're girls and girls to think they're boys and that we can just create whatever image we want and desire to have. It's not as if we don't know that lying and cheating and stealing and coveting and lust are, are wrong and not God's design or desire for us, but our, our hard hearts do not desire to submit to God's authority. And so we, we rationalize or, or even legitimize such things in order to further our own personal interests. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Because the fool's heart is hardened and suppresses the truth that God has made clearly known. And brothers and sisters, you cannot change a rock into a pillow simply by fluffing it up. You have to replace it. And you cannot change a hard heart simply by by more education or new laws or greater enlightenment or willpower or religious fervor. It needs to be replaced Our hearts of stone must be renewed and changed and transformed into living hearts of flesh, softened and open to the things of God, which is what Jesus Christ came to do. Paul says a hard heart results in a darkened mind that is alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. In other words, due to to that hardening of of the heart, there's a a deep ignorance of God's truth and the reality that the Bible characterizes as darkness. Now, it's important to distinguish between this ignorance of which Paul speaks and just having knowledge. Paul's not talking about knowledge of information or, or facts that are true. There are plenty, plenty of smart people in the world with advanced degrees and great knowledge who are ignorant, as Paul speaks of here. Rather, he's speaking of a a deeper understanding of the meaning and the reality and the significance and the the purpose that God has for all the, the things that we know in this world. Paul is talking here about a lack of wisdom. We can understand all kinds of amazing facts about the the vastness of the universe and the forces which are at work in the natural processes of this world but remain totally ignorant and darkened to how that immensity and that amazing order points to the Creator Himself. 
the advancements and breakthroughs in, in medicine and understanding of the body, the incredible uses of technology which we have, all are, are gifts from God and they're, they're all fueled by incredible human intelligence. But they quickly become, they can quickly become the created things that we worship, that we look to because our minds are darkened to the greater purpose and glory of God behind all those advancements. I mean, think about the Pharisees. They were the greatest religious scholars of their day. They knew the scriptures in and out. They, 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 uh, they uh, applied the law of the Lord to the very details of, the minutest details of life. But they were ignorant of how all that pointed and, and was meant to, to be fulfilled in the Messiah whom God would send so that they failed to recognize him when he stood right there in their midst. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and other created things. And that's why this ignorance is characterized as darkness of understanding, is a, a spiritual blindness. Despite having vast amounts of knowledge and information, even abilities, we cannot see the true meaning and the purpose of that in relationship to God and his purposes and plans in the world, apart from God's opening our eyes. Our eyes are blinded to the things of God and we become so used to living in darkness of understanding that as Jesus said, we prefer sometimes to remain in darkness and resist the light of God's truth and glory. And so the Gentiles' way is, loves to walk in the darkness of understanding to suppress the truth of God. And this hard heart and darkened mind leads to a depraved will that pursues a, a self-indulgent, an impure lifestyle. When we lack understanding, we lose a, a sensitivity and we give ourselves over, or literally, that word means to, to betray ourselves into a lifestyle of sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, Paul says. A continuing desire for more. There's a sense here of a, of a kind of deeper and deeper uh, moral decline, a total lack of, of restraint that is eager to pursue whatever pleasure or indulgence we desire. We seek to have those, those desires satisfied, not by God our Creator, but by created things, some of which in and of themselves may be good, but when they're used or abused outside of God's created purpose, become selfish, enslaving practices. And Paul says, we not only give ourselves over to these things, but back in Romans 1, as we, as we continue to, to walk in those old ways and suppress the truth, God Himself gives sinful man over to the lusts of his heart, to impurity and lusts of the flesh, because we, we exchange truth for a lie and serve the creature rather than the Creator. And the depths of that depravity, as we see in Romans 1, and is, and is even uh, um, alluded to here in Ephesians, is often expressed in a sexual context. Man is greedy for indulgence of all kinds, and, and it results in unnatural and immoral behaviors. When we give ourselves over to seeking satisfaction in the things of this world, pursuing things for the purpose of, of self-indulgence, there's always a need for more, isn't there? That's the trap of addictions like sex, 
or drugs or food or materialism or, or fame. You can name it. There's always a need to push the boundaries further to get to the next level. And that's what we see. The progression of this old way, this old walk of our sinful nature. Life of futility in the mind apart from the life of God. It stems from a hard heart, a darkened mind, a depraved will that is always pursuing more and more of what ultimately disappoints and destroys. And that's how the world is apart from God's grace in Christ. That is God's assessment. Not mine, not just Paul's. That is God's assessment of man seeking to live as his own God, seeking to pursue his own wisdom, seeking to live a life that seems full but ultimately is empty and meaningless. And that is what we see all around us. Jesus said, out of the heart comes all kinds of evil. Abortion, terrorism, racism, oppression, greed, sexual confusion, corruption, hatred, division. That is the walk of the world. But we also need to recognize it's the way in which we too once walked apart from God in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, don't walk that way anymore. You must no longer walk in the manner in that manner. Why? Because he says, you have moved from futile thinking to freeing truth. And the remedy is found, as Paul says, in Jesus Christ. In verse 20, Paul says, that is not the way you learned Christ. Not learned about Christ, not learned of Christ, but this is not the way you learned Jesus. Literally learning, understanding, and coming to know in an intimate and personal way Jesus Himself. Children, when someone asks you what your favorite subject is, you should tell them, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. In fact, all learning, all knowledge of truth ultimately finds its meaning in Jesus Christ. All things were created by Him and for Him and through Him. He is over all, through all, and in all. And so in Christ... God comes and He breaks in by grace to free us from that futility of the mind, to give us a a new heart that beats with life, with His life, to bring the, the light of His truth to shine into the darkness of our understanding, to come in exchange for for our callous pursuit of sensuality and impurity, uh, a sensitivity and a desire and ability for righteousness and holiness. The alternative to the Gentile way of life is to have Christ in your head and in your heart and living in and through you. We are not just learning new behavior, but we are learning Jesus. We are learning a great Savior. And Paul assumes in verse 21 that if you know Christ, two things have happened. He says, you have heard about Him and you have been taught in Him. The ESV and and some other translations says you have heard about Him. But but that little word about, that little word uh, others translated of, does not appear in the Greek. It literally reads, again, you have heard Him. 
As we move from from futile thinking to freeing truth, we do it as we hear the voice of Jesus, as we are taught according to the, the truth that is embodied in Him. We need not just to hear about Jesus, but to hear His voice in the Gospels, to listen to Him speaking to us through His Word as it's read, as it's taught, as it's preached, as it's proclaimed to us. Jesus comes and He he. He preaches the gospel as the gospel is preached through his ministers and through you and I as we go and and share that testimony. And so Paul says, if you have heard him say to you, I am the truth and the the way and the truth and the life. If If you've heard him say, come, follow me and I will give you rest. Trust in God. Trust also in me. If you've heard him say, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me, hear my voice and follow me and I give them eternal life. Jesus said in John 5, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. If you've heard the voice of Jesus in the gospel, you've been given new life, new heart, new understanding. And how do we hear Jesus? Through His Word. That's the, the freeing truth that transform us, transforms us. That's what makes us new. That opens our minds and hearts and frees our wills to walk in the ways of the Lord. The Bible tells us that God's Word is living and active. And that's because it is the Word of the living and active Christ calling and directing and teaching His people. And Paul says we not only hear him, but we are taught in him according to the truth that is in Jesus himself. We're to constantly be growing in the knowledge and the grace and truth of Christ, who is full of grace and truth. And Paul likens that teaching and that growth to changing clothes. As we hear Jesus, as we are taught in him through his word, as we grow in our understanding and our, in our, uh, in our hearing, of him, it's like it's like getting a new pair of shoes. <laughs> it's like getting a new shirt. I don't often realize how ugly or how dirty or how stinky my old shoes are until I actually get a new pair of shoes and I see them in comparison. As we learn Christ, as we grow in His grace and truth, we we hold up this this newness, this 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 truth that God has given to us. And we hold it up to our lives and we submit our hearts and our lives to that word. And we and we look at our old way of life and we think, you know what? It's just not how it's supposed to be. That's just not right. That's ugly. That's filthy. I've got to get rid of that old self and put on the new self. And that happens as Paul says, as we are renewed in the spirit of our minds, as we fill our minds with truth as we submit our hearts and our lives to God's way. And that's what happens when we learn and hear and are taught in and by Jesus Christ. That is how we who who now are created, recreated in Christ, after the likeness of God in holiness and in righteousness, that is how we continue to grow and be shaped in that godliness and that Christ-likeness. So how can we still walk as we once were 
when that is no longer who we truly are. The old man in Adam has been crucified with Christ. The new man has been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And Paul says, don't walk in that old way. Put it off. Walk in newness of life. Put on the the new self created in God's image in true righteousness and holiness. Now Paul's going to talk about the practical nitty-gritty implications of all this in the rest of this chapter and into chapter 5. What does it mean to put off the old and put on the new in, in practical everyday details of our life? And so be sure to be coming back in the next weeks. But it is futile to go on looking at what the Bible says about those nitty-gritty details unless we first understand, unless we first experience God's transforming work in our hearts and in our minds and, and in our wills that comes through hearing and knowing and growing in Christ Jesus. So it's not hard to see and understand the Gentile way of life. Life apart from grace and truth of God. It's the walk of the world around us. Hard hearts, darkened minds, depraved wills are what lead man to cast aside all restraints, to suppress the truth in unrighteousness, to start saying certain things that are just ridiculous or absolute or actually true and right, refusing to honor or give thanks to God, but pursuing his security and satisfaction and significance in the things of this world. But let's not, let's not forget again. That this describes all of us at one point. And it may still describe some of you here today. Old habits die hard. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're struggling with the, with the lure of the darkness. Maybe you're finding it easy to fall back into old habits or old ways of sin. Maybe the constant voice of the world and the, and the new ways which man seems to constantly be coming up with and which seems so attractive and right to him are causing you to question the truth of God or to consider casting out like old bathwater the ancient faith of our forefathers. Maybe you're struggling to break bad habits and make new ones and, and you've just grown discouraged. You try so hard and you find yourself failing over and over again. Or maybe you're just settling into the status quo of life and don't feel the energy or the power to bring about any change. Maybe you're a new believer, a brand new Christian, young in the faith, and you just feel like there's so much you don't know or understand and you can't say how, how you're ever going to be able to, to really understand or grasp the things of God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus comes and he ushers in new life, a new way, a new walk. He comes down into our hard, darkened, depraved status. And in his death and his resurrection, he brings light and life and truth that transforms us into new creations. The old is gone. The new is here. And we are called to walk in that newness, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus to experience more of Christ in our life day in and day out, to see the fruit of the Spirit blossoming anew daily as we put off the old and put on the new. Jesus calls us out of darkness and death into light and life. He's clothed us in His grace and in His righteousness, and He calls us to put that on daily 
Where do we go to do that? In his word. The reading and hearing and, and allowing the spirit to work as we seek to live as he calls us to. So where do you need a change of clothes? What do you need to put off and put on? What do you need to take out of the closet and get rid of? Brothers and sisters, change happens in Jesus. Ask him to take that old desire and replace it with a new desire, with his desires. Ask him to, take that, to replace your futile thinking with the freeing truth of his word. Seek to renew your mind daily in the truth of his word and rely on the strength of his spirit to walk daily in that truth. And as we do that, and as we encourage one another and, and strengthen one another together, God will bring about radical change, not only in our own lives, but through his church in this world around us. Let's pray together. Father, we confess, I confess, that the old self is much easier to put on than the new. That the old ways often seem so much more pleasurable, so much more satisfying, so much more life-giving, and yet they are the very opposite of that. Father, would you continually, through your word, soften our hearts, enlighten our minds, renew and free our, our wills such that we might live in the righteousness and the holiness and the truth and the grace and the love that you have poured into us through Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there are those here today, as I know there are, undoubtedly those who are, are struggling, are feeling burdened by ongoing sin, or maybe, Lord, who are willingly suppressing the truth and, and resisting your work. Father, I pray that you would come now by your Holy Spirit and you would grant us grace and strength and power to walk in the newness of life which you have given us in Christ. Lord, help us to, to put away the old and put on the new. To lay aside the life that we lived in, in our own strength and apart from you. Walking in the ways that seemed right in our eyes and to walk in your truth and in your light. Lord Jesus, fill our hearts. Conform us to your image more and more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.